What's up, everybody? Justin Ochoa back with another episode of the Gym Sessions podcast. And as always, today's show is brought to you by Hoist. Hoist is IV level hydration. It comes in six amazing flavors, gives you more electrolytes and half the sugar than your favorite sports drink on the market. If you want to learn more, you can go to drinkhoist.com. Do some research. Don't just take it from me. Do some research and you will find this is an amazing product. If you like what you see, you can use my code PACE, that's P-A-C-E, for 10% off of your order. Now, I'm excited to dive into episode seven. We have on Tyler LeClaire. He is the owner of TJL Performance. He is an amazing coach, awesome, bright, young basketball mind. I really learned a lot from this conversation. I think his outlook on basketball, on training, on coaching, on the industry is amazing. He has a great backstory, super inspiring backstory. I think you guys are going to love this. Um, dive in. Again, this is episode seven, Tyler LeClaire. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Thanks for joining me. Hey, it's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to get into you know a little bit of your background, kind of get into your business and your backstory. So if you don't mind, why don't you just give us a little bit of a bio on who you are and what you do? Yep. So my name is Tyler LeClaire. I am a trainer out of Lowell, Massachusetts. So I've been training for about five years now. Uh, I started training when I was actually a senior in high school, and then I just kind of slowly built my business up. I went to one year of college, decided, you know, I want to try this basketball thing out. I want to try playing. Mm-hmm. I've grinded my whole life since I was 10 years old to try to go and play in college. I got there, realized, you know what, this isn't what I want to do. I love the training thing. I want to go full speed into this. Decided to drop out, went full speed into the training thing, worked a couple of different part-time jobs. Built myself up to be a uh, full-time trainer. Now I got a gym. Now I do this full-time and get to travel around, do cool conversations like this. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Living the dream, man. So I, I, um, I've done a little bit of research on your background, so I know some of the ins and outs that the uh, the listeners might not know. But there's a specific story that I heard you tell on another podcast about basically starting training while you're in high school and still training that player to this day. Can you kind of dive in on that? That's a cool story. Yeah. So I basically got into training because I was a junior in high school and then I had a teammate who was a freshman who lived right down the street from me. And I saw that he just had a lot of potential and I was like, Hey, I just want to kind of work with you, take you under my wing. And I just started taking him to the gym with me to lift because he was like very scrawny. He was like 110 pounds, really good basketball player, (laughs) really scrawny. So I was like, you know what? You're going to start coming to the gym with me. I'd drive by his house. I'd pick him up. I'd bring him with me. And then I started letting him join in on my basketball workouts. And then that kind of just progressed into, hey, instead of working out with me, I'm just going to actually just train you. And then I was like, wow, this is really fun. I love taking a player, trying to build them up. And then, yeah, that's kind of how I got into training, and I still train him to this day. So I started training him when he was a freshman in high school, and now he is a player over at Wheaton. I think he's a junior now, so he's still got at least another year and then a potential grad year. So it's re- it's really cool to see that whole journey and have somebody that's been with me from, like, the very start, yeah. still playing, doing good. So he was kind of like my guinea pig. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You don't hear stories like that very often. Yeah. Um, so piggybacking off that um, – you, that makes you pretty young trainer in the grand scheme of things, right? I mean, you're probably what, 23, 24 years old yeah, and 24. you've reached the level that you're at. Um, it's funny. Like I started my career when I was 24 and that was like the bottom of the barrel. You know yeah. what I mean? Now I look at you and other trainers such as like your guy Coleman, uh, Jess Raj, she's only 26. She was on the last episode. I'm like, Damn, these these guys are doing exactly what they want to do and and full, you know, full force, like following their passion at such a young age. I think part of it's just a generational thing. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm 33. So at the time when I'm coming out, you know, when I'm going through school, it's like you got you gotta go to college, you gotta follow that traditional route. And I love talking to you guys because you didn't follow that traditional route and and it worked out. And so I think that's a, a, a very big takeaway that listeners can kind of peel away from this is that like the traditional route is not always for everybody. Um, there are certain times where you have to make your own path. So kind of want to hear your story a little bit more in depth on 
the decision to walk away from college basketball after, you know, dedicating your whole life to that sport. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's some passion for the game and some love for the game. That was probably not an easy scenario for you, but I want to go through like what a 19 year old's perspective on that decision is because I have a lot of respect for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one thing that really helped me was just social media because I, I could see what a lot of other people in the world were doing and what was capable. Um, so like kind of to your point, like obviously social media was just kind of starting when you were kind of like my age or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so like there wasn't as many people out there that you could see and look to and be like, oh, wow, like that's possible. So like I would see people like Drew and Micah or PJF like on social media. And I was like, wow, I kind of want to do that. Um, but like as I was going into college, I just kind of really started to dig in on like what I want to do with my life. And I knew, OK, I want to own a business. I'm not a big person who likes to just listen to people telling me what to do blindly and just being like, all right, I'll just do it. I'm not like. I know I knew what I wanted. So like I slowly kind of started to see the vision of what I wanted my life to look like. And I knew going into college, I don't know if this is for me, um, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and try it because I wanted to play basketball. And then once basketball started to feel more like a job to me, that's when I knew immediately, okay, I know school is not for me. Basketball is feeling more like a job. I have this opportunity. No one could really see the vision that I saw and what was capable, what I was capable of doing within the business. Um, but so I was just like, you know what, I, I got to do it because I knew school wasn't for me. I knew, OK, if I want to own a business, if I want to work for myself, I don't need a degree. I don't need the things that I'm going to be taught because I can go and learn it by myself. And I knew with all the information that's out there, like YouTube and all the resources on Google and all this, stuff, you can learn anything mm -hmm. on your own. Like you don't need a, a teacher. And then one of my teachers in college was a business teacher, never owned a business. <laughs> it's just not operating in the real world. Like so many teachers in college, especially now, I mean, really forever, it's just like they operate just in academia. They don't operate in the real world. Like the real world is completely different. You can sit there in a college business class and say, oh, when this happens, do this. And like everything's in a fucking perfect world. But when something happens in the real world, market fucking crashes, like you get hit in the face, like all that shit goes out the window. Facts. So like all that learning is going to come through trial and error reaching out to people who are actually in the arena day in and day out, who already own a business, who are already doing what you want to do. And I knew those are the people that I can learn from. So I started to seek those people out. Once I dropped out, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I needed to do to get there. I sacrificed what I needed to, to sacrifice. And then now I'm luckily here, but I mean, I'm still haven't made it yet, but like I'm, I'm in a good place where I, it, it definitely did work out for me. Yeah, no doubt, man. Not, the perfect example of that is, uh, two days ago, I had to make a appointment for uh, just a general like doctor appointment, right? And mm -hmm. I, I think I'm pretty healthy, like, but I'm I'm getting up there now. I got to start doing these yearly checkups, right? So I'm going through the list of all these doctors, and you know how it is, like they're like, oh yeah, we can get you in in March, and I'm like, well, that doesn't really help, but yeah, <laughs> I'm going through the list to see like who has the be the best availability. And like 90% of these doctors are obese, like overweight. And I know that's like a tough conversation for a lot of people to have, but I'm like, how are you going to tell me about health when you are visibly unhealthy? You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like that the business teacher, that you, the professor that you brought up kind of reminded me of that. It's like, bro, you're just reading out of the same textbook that I am. Literally, like, literally it's crazy. It's crazy, but... Backtrack into um, the sacrifices that you made. I know that you had an opportunity to work with Drew Hanlon kind of early in your career, internship mm -hmm. there. A couple of other people I think you mentioned in some other podcasts, um, like Tim DeFrancisco, maybe being from the same mm -hmm. area that you are. But who are some of the, like your OGs or some of your mentors in the game that kind of helped you and kind of took you under, your, under their wing uh, to get started? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so Drew is definitely just one of them just because he gave me the opportunity to see what was out there at the highest level. Um, so it was more so just seeing how he operates as opposed to like just really learning from him in like a one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one setting. And then I had a coach, uh, one of my assistant coaches at Salem State where I played for a year. He kind of showed me the way a little bit, just kind of exposed me some, to some different stuff. And then I have a mentor back home. His name is Jim. Uh, he's definitely helped me kind of guide me through the business stuff and just kind of exposed me again to more more possibilities out there and just kind of got me along the way. So, I mean, growing up, like I never really had 
any family members or crazy successful aunts, uncles that like, oh, like you own a business and you do this, like that's really cool. So like early on, I was never really exposed to it. The only exposure I had was through social media. Mm-hmm. And then once I started to get into it, that's when I started to meet different people. And now I have different people in the game. Like um, Tim is, is one guy who's out in uh, Dallas, Texas. He trained like Trey Young and him. Um, yep. And then another guy, Josh Fan, who's over in D.C., trained Jeremy Lin. So like I'm starting to build some good relationships with these guys who can kind of guide me if I need it. Uh, but it's more so just like observing other people and how they operate and just learning and taking things from them and just just really taking it one step at a time. Like you're never going to be able to plan everything perfectly. So it's like, you know, I'll figure out what I need to figure out tomorrow when it comes and I'll just kind of go from there. So it's just one step at a time. Yeah, facts. I love that. Um, so now fast forward to kind of where you're at now. I know you have your own training facility. Um, I know there was a, a grind to get there. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've opened up facilities myself and I know that it's it's not as glamorous as a lot of people would love to believe. Yeah. So walk us through opening your facility, kind of how that operates and what your business model looks like right now. Yeah. So kind of the backstory to the facility is I was training out of another facility during right before COVID. COVID mm-hmm. hit. They kind of shut down for like a month or two. And then a new owner came in and personally kind of a dickhead. I'll say that. <laughs> I don't really have a problem saying that publicly. Um <laughs> He was a little disrespectful to me and that really irked me the wrong way. Kind of like how we were saying in the beginning, like I don't like people telling me what to do and kind of like being disrespectful and just sitting back and taking it. So the second that happened, I literally left the gym that day and I was like, I need to find a gym. I need to get out of here. So I literally just went on loopnet.com, found a couple of different places, looked at multiple. And then the one that I did find wasn't the best looking one, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to put some money into this. I'm going to make it work. So I got a gym literally almost at the height of COVID, I signed the lease in June of 2020. So a lot of uncertainty, but you know, obviously it worked out. I opened in September of 2020 after kind of building it out, slowly built up my clientele. And so now it's really just a private sports facility or basketball facility where I rent out the court. And then I also do my training. I do personal training. I do group training. I do clinics. And then I also now is trying to get into more of the virtual market as well. That's dope. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about some of the virtual stuff and some of your online education. Um, I actually, I've been following you for a while and was introduced to your page and some of your stuff through uh, Coleman Ayers. But in the meantime, I was also doing some research for building out my own smartphone app and got in contact with uh, Coach.io. So they used you for an example for everything that I asked about. Really, And I already knew who you were because I've been following your page and kind of like, you know, stealing stuff here and there from you. Yeah, I'm like, hold on, man. This That's a sign. I got to reach out to my guy yeah. and just get him on the podcast. So I'm working on my own virtual stuff as well. And they kind of used your app and your platform and some of your case studies to show me like what's possible. So mm-hmm. what are your plans? Uh, what are you doing now? What are you finding what works, what doesn't work, what are the things that you're liking and kind of looking forward to, to get out of this like online space? Yeah. So, I mean, virtual has never really been like my strong suit in, in terms of just my business. Like I'm more, a lot more in person. So now it's kind of just a learning process where it's like, all right, how can I really kind of almost be equal where it's like 50% in person, 50% online. But I've, I've done a few courses. Like I did a finishing course. I've done a shooting course and really put a lot of time into that. And Mm -hmm. I think they're really, really good. So now it's just like kind of learning the whole marketing piece. And then upcoming, I have a really good course that I'm starting to build out now for the summer that I'm really looking to. So it's really just a lot of planning and putting my entire philosophy into a course is pretty interesting process. I think it's good to do no matter what level you're at as a trainer, because it forces you to consolidate a lot of your knowledge because it's easy when you're in person to over explain. But when you have to put it into a video in a concise form or into a PDF, you really have to consolidate all of that knowledge into a much simpler form. So just in terms of just learning and getting better as a trainer, it's a great exercise. But just being able to take everything, my unique philosophy and share it with the world and share it with people literally all over is a really cool process. Um, And now I'm trying to get into more of the one on one stuff. So I have the courses that can fit anyone, but I really want to get into helping people more one on one from really anywhere in the world and being Mm -hmm. able to help them in every single aspect. So not even just basketball, 
because I've, I've always been very passionate about helping people and whether it's their health, their diet, their um, mindset, um, financial aspects, like just really being able to mentor someone, especially a younger kid and help shape their kind of outlook on life is something I'm really passionate about. So being able to take people, help them with basketball, be able to help them with everything else is something that I'm really trying to dive into now. That's awesome, man. It's crazy. Like, did you ever think any of this would be possible? Like the ability to help somebody who lives halfway across the universe from a smartphone, like how amazing is that? It's, it's crazy. And I think a lot of people like don't truly grasp the power of it Mm -hmm. because we've been living with it for a while. But if you look like over the course of history, like the hundreds of thousands of years and like literally in the last 10, the world is essentially just, Mm -hmm. you can touch every aspect of the world just literally by opening up your smartphone. And that, that is just so fucking powerful. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Like I remember getting, uh, Instagram for the first time, like my senior year of college. And I was like, this is the coolest app of all time. It was just pictures. You know what I mean? Like we thought we were so creative and artistic, like taking pictures of like Bud Light cans from a cool angle. You know what I mean? Now you can literally have somebody subscribe to consume your content on Instagram. Yeah. It's it's awesome getting like, uh, messages here and there from people in China or Poland or literally anywhere in the world and be like, yo, like you've inspired me or you've really helped me. Like I got a message from, from some kid today out in, uh, somewhere in Africa or something. He was like, oh, my dreams to like train with you one day. And he's actually like coming down to, to Lowell in February. So I'm going to get to train with him. And he's been following me for years out in Africa in the middle of nowhere. doesn't even like have good shoes to train in, trains on like yeah. shitty hoops. And like to be able to just see that, like even if it's just one kid, like that's more than I could ever even have expected from the beginning. So for sure, awesome. man, that's amazing. So um, getting into training, uh, like I said, I've, I've stolen concepts from you, drills from you. I really like your stuff. I think we're kind of on the same page in our teaching mm-hmm. style and just like our general like personality style as well. So that's a big thing for me. Like when I, you know, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of, I like books, podcasts, videos, but I I like to consume from people that I feel like I can relate to Mm -hmm. from a more personal standpoint. Cause if it works for them, then it probably will have a good shot of working for me as well. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are other trainers that are like more hype, more energetic, more like rah, rah, that's not me. And so like, learning from people like that, I have to take it with a grain of salt. You are more like precise with your words. You kind of mm-hmm. sit back, watch things happen. You coach when you need to. Um, you don't overcoach. You use a lot of uh, constraints and, and you get into more of the science of like adapting a new skill. So mm-hmm. what are some of your, you know, just favorite principles or methods in terms of like skill acquisition that you really like to utilize on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. I'd say my number one one that I try to help players and I try to set up within the environment just the way that I communicate is implicit learning. So that's allowing the players to learn without me explicitly teaching them. So it's like, say I want to work on a jump shot. I want to be able to teach them without them even knowing that I'm teaching them. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways that I really like to coach. And it's if you look at any of the science, it is absolutely one of the most effective ways to do it. And that's kind of why I don't talk as much. I'll talk when I need to, but I think most coaches try to over explain everything and essentially just take what they have in their head and force it into the other player's mm-hmm. head. It just simply does not work that way. And even if you can, it's not going to stick. The player is not going to remember it. The second they're in a game, it's going to go right out the fucking window. So mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite ways to coach. And then everything's kind of built off that philosophy, like a lot of small sided games, putting them in situations, allowing them to figure it out. And I think that's just like what enough, what not enough coaches do is allow players to figure it out. They're like, I'm the coach, so I need to tell them everything that I know. And I need to make sure that they know that I know what I know. Like they want to prove their knowledge. Mm -hmm. to The player player does not need to know everything that you need to know. You just need to get them to the end goal as efficiently as possible. And that does not always mean that you have to talk, that you have to be the center of attention. It's really just put them in situations, coach when you need to coach, like you said, put constraints when you need to put constraints and then let them figure it out. Worst comes to worst, okay, now you can step in, be a little more explicit, really kind of describe things, teach them. But again, my whole philosophy is really trying to teach without teaching. Yeah, and it makes it more natural. 
And I think that the flow of a session is just way more pure that way rather than you having to say, no, like you want to put your left foot here, your right foot there and do this with your hips. Like that doesn't, I don't understand that. Like from a player perspective either, you know what I mean? Like I, because I was a player and I still play recreationally today. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I try to do things and experiment on myself. And I'm like, I can't figure this out. And I'm, I'm a grown man. Like imagine a 15 year old, kid trying to process all of these things at one time like there's no way you're going to get what you want out of that scenario 100 yeah 100 so um back on on training I, I do want to talk about some of the like skill stuff and then i know you do a little bit or may have thought about doing a little bit of like strength work or just like kind of dabbling in that is that something that you're still kind of experimenting with have you ever gone down both of those roads or how do you navigate that yeah so that's kind of how i started my business was doing both so i'm very mm-hmm. familiar with the strength conditioning side as well that was like my original goal when i went to college was like i'm gonna be a strength conditioning coach mm-hmm. and obviously now we're here but um yeah so like the first couple of years i was i was doing both working with some of my players writing them programs as well as training them on the court I kind of just phased out because I really wanted to hone in on one and become the best that I possibly can at one. And from a business standpoint, it just made more sense for me at the time because it was tough chasing two rabbits. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to yeah. chase one, try to be really good. Uh, but I'm still very familiar with it and very interested in it. And I think that just helps the way that I coach on the court in terms of just basketball because I understand what's going on in the human body. But it's not necessarily a focus in terms of trying to train kids off the court as well. But I definitely right. understand it and very passionate about that. Hundred percent. Like so, it that's kind of opposite of of what I started. Like I went down the basketball first route. Like I, I got into mm-hmm. coaching first, and then I was like, kind of want to get into strength conditioning. Kind of did that for ten years. Now I'm circling back and kind of mm-hmm. sprinkling the basketball part on top of kind of what I already feel like I have a good system kind of going. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's cool to to hear from you. And other trainers out there that are at least knowledgeable in both and see how they feed each other and see how that cycle works. Um, Are there certain trainers that you kind of like will refer out to when people come to you for both or how do you kind of navigate that? Um, There's like one or two guys that I'm cool with in the industry in terms of strength and conditioning that I'll like refer guys out to. And more so, it's just like if they come to me with questions, like I said, I'll refer them out or I'll just try to answer the questions or give them some stuff Mm -hmm. like, hey, do this, this and this. And just try to encourage the kids to lift to some degree, because that's what you see with a lot of basketball kids is they don't lift enough and then they get hurt and they wonder why they get hurt. Um, So it's just trying to encourage like, hey, both are very important. Try to do both. And if you're going to do both, go to these guys, because that's who I trust, at least in the area. Yeah. No, the other day I was at the I was at the court and I saw a kid who was probably I don't know, like 135 pounds, six feet tall. He had, uh, you know, the the Oshkut slaughter straps on both mm-hmm. knees. He had a knee brace on his right knee, and it was like hella loose. And I'm mm-hmm. like, if you have a loose knee brace, that's probably a, a cue for you to, like, build some quads, and I think your knee yeah. pain might go away a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so on the court, I know you're working with all levels. I know you have um, pro guys and girls. I know you have uh, high school, college, maybe even some like introductory level stuff. How do you kind of organize your business and and run that? Like, do you have you know this hours for advanced or age cert- like certifications, or how does that work? So I'd say it's very seasonal because of yeah where kids are going so like summer is really focused on college and pro and mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll have a lot of high school groups and then once those guys kind of leave okay now fall and spring is heavily focused on the high school guys doing it, a lot of individual sessions with them and then doing a lot of groups and then the winter because the high school kids are very heavily involved in the season i take on a little bit more of the middle school to, uh, to youth players so that's kind of just how it works but throughout the whole year i have high school groups i'm training kids individually in terms of high school i'll sprinkle in some middle school kids but it's primarily high school college and pro and as i continue to grow the business i want to be a little more focused with more of the advanced players Mm -hmm. still love training the younger guys uh, especially the ones who are at least passionate and then 
outsource more of that training to the youth guys, to the middle school and to some of the high school to somebody else. That's the goal down the road, but that's just kind of how it works right now is just, it's very seasonal. Each season kind of has a different focus with different age groups. And that's just kind of how it's been working for at least like the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely, man. So in terms of on the court, I know you have a lot of innovation, like a lot of just unique, maybe outside the box thoughts. What are some things, drills, concepts that you're experimenting with right now? Maybe that you're not completely sold on even, but just some new stuff that you've been working on. Um, I think one concept that I, I believe in that I think is kind of controversial in the space is the blend between game-like drills and non-game-like drills. Because I think everyone in the industry is like, all right, it needs to look perfectly like a game. If it doesn't, it's probably not a good drill. When in reality, there's a lot of creative things that we can do that a player might never use in a game, but is valuable in turn in terms of building skill. Because like we have two different types of skill. We have specific skill and we have general skill. So it's like, think about on one end of the spectrum is like lifting is the least game-like thing ever. Like right. When are you ever going to have a barbell on your back in a game? But it, <laughs> helps, you in a, it helps you in a game, right? But yep. like people don't take the same concept to training where it's like, all right, maybe I have a kid doing like a super tough move or like finish that they'll never do in a game. And they're like, oh, that's not beneficial because it doesn't look like a game. Well, it's like lifting doesn't look like a game, but it still helps. still very valuable. So like we can take that same philosophy to some of the training. And it's all about obviously knowing when to use all of these tools. But I think that's kind of one controversial thing that most coaches don't think about is like there is value in not everything looking like a game and knowing when to implement some of these more general stuff where we're just focused on building skill or just focused on building coordination and things like that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. That's my favorite like rebuttal. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like people talk so much about specificity and this and that. And I'm just like the... The number one thing we tell all of our athletes to do is to lift and, and train. And we don't do any of that in any sport yeah. other than weightlifting. And so, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you guys not understand that concept? And there's a, another saying is, like, uh, like, I'm not big on balance training, but I do use some concepts of balance training, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm not asking you to balance on – a a physio ball by any means, but I do think there's some value in maybe standing on something like a tightrope or something like that. Mm -hmm. And people will say like, well, the game is played on, on the court and not on a tightrope. And I'm like, yeah, the same, it's the same rebuttal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the game is played on your feet and we're working on our feet. So how does that not translate? Exactly. So exactly. people just pick and choose, I think when they want to use certain logic that supports their own narrative. A hundred percent. And it's like a lot of times it's very contradiction, like very, it contradicts itself because like you said, yeah. like they take that logic for lifting, but then they don't want to apply the same logic to another situation. That's just slightly different. So exactly. A lot of people in the space are just kind of very close minded and not that they don't want to think outside the box, but they just don't like their views being challenged. And that's just, that's just human nature in general. Like, like we attach, value to our beliefs and we take mm -hmm. that as our personality like if i believe something and you don't like people take that as a you're attacking me because yeah. i believe it so it's like you're attacking me but in reality it's just an idea it's just a belief and they take 100%. that extremely personable extremely personal which it doesn't always need to be but it's it's again it's human nature so it's fucking tough yeah it's tough i mean that's like it's politics 101 you know what i mean yeah. like you, and we will not talk politics on the show, but <laughs> but it's the same concept. You say something bad about exactly. somebody's favorite presidential candidate, like that's going to end friendships, family sometimes. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. crazy. So something you said kind of sparked a thought in me. Um, I think about I think about the song J. Cole, Middle Child, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of talking about how he's like that middle child he's got the ogs like nas and then he's got the younger generation like you know the little babies and gunners right mm -hmm. so i look at myself kind of like the middle child like your generation i learned so much from mm -hmm. because you guys are so innovative and you're not afraid to like break off of the path of tradition and i love that because that's kind of how i'm wired but then like my mentors are that that next generation above me and they are more like by the books and more like yeah. traditional and they probably 
have problems with some of the younger generations like way of going about things. I'm stuck in the middle and I like to pull from both. Um, what kind of issues or, or just, I think what you said was like coaches are closed minded sometimes. And I, I wanted to see if you think any of that has to do with like the, that generational gap or the difference, like maybe they're, the 40 year old coach who thinks they have it all figured out and the way they've been doing it works. And so if it works, then we're not going to change it. But I'm more of a proponent of like, what if there's a better way? So terrible question. Like I've formatted that awfully, (laughs) but what are your thoughts like generally on, on that? To, to kind of break down one of the things you said, like my worst, my Biggest pet peeve in the industry is when people say it works, right? Like that's what yeah. you hear, like all these older guys. It works. It's like, of course it works, but to what degree does it work? Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's not binary. It's not like it works or it doesn't. Like I can take a kid and work on their, do a mic and drill forever and be like, it worked. But there's right. a, a million <laughs> different ways that I could have done that, that worked better. So that's right. where like a lot of those coaches where it's like, like you said, the different generations will be like, well, it works. So like, why are you trying to do this? Why are you trying to innovate? Why are you doing it different? It's because we're trying to find a better and more efficient way to do it. That's how I approach basically my entire life, especially my training is like, all right, I'm going to take what maybe someone ahead of me, someone older than me, older generation, what they started with, but I'm going to find a way to twist it to make it more efficient. So it works better. It's like, if I can get a player from A to B in half the time that it would have taken you, I'm a better trainer. So it's like most of the training industry just values, okay, does it work or does it not work? But it's like what really makes a good trainer is how fast they can get them to it works. Um, So that's kind of just one of my pet peeves off what you said. But And I think with the older guys is like, I don't think that they should be looking down on the other generation being mad like we're trying to innovate or you're changing it up because it's like we're taking what they already built and then trying to make it better. And it's like when I'm 40 years old, I should be glad that there's trainers who started when they're 20 with the knowledge that I have, because that's why we do these yeah. podcasts, right? It's to share that knowledge. So it's like, how can I be mad at someone that they took that knowledge that I gave them that I spent years trying to figure out and then they got it like that. Yep. So then they're going to, they, their training should end up being better than mine because I helped them get to that point through the knowledge that I gave through the podcast, through the videos. So it's like every generation should be evolving on the other generation and it's not going to look the same. It's going to be more innovative. It's going to be more effective. So it's like they, they shouldn't be hating on it because it's like we're just taking what they built. And that's appreciating, appreciative to them because we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing and innovate right. if they didn't come before us and lead the path. Facts. And to circle it back, you know, about people taking that concept of, you know, the general to specific, like we talked about, you're never going to have a barbell on your back in a basketball game. Every other part of the world is innovating and nobody cares. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like those same coaches that hate on new drills probably have the iPhone 13 or 14. So like that's innovative. Like that is taking something that existed and making it better, putting it out to the people. Mm -hmm. So you'll support that, but you won't start supporting somebody who's in the same industry as you trying to help literally help people and and so you want to hate on that so that's it's something that i experienced like when i was getting into it so Mm -hmm. i've always just wondered you know if that was just my experience or if all these like ogs kind of like got a little bit of hate in their blood yeah 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 who knows where it comes from but i mean at least for me like there's people who a lot of people who me and Coleman were kind of like, not the first, but we, we were really putting out like a lot of audio cues, a lot of small sided games. And then I see people who take, who have literally taken something that I post. And then two days later, I see it on their story of the exact same drill doing the exact same thing. And I know that they don't know how to do that because I've never seen them do it. And I see them take it and it's like, I'm, I don't, I don't fucking care. Like, right. The other thing is I think people take basketball way too fucking serious. It's like, dude, my, my whole life isn't basketball. So it's like, if you want to go ahead and copy my drill, go ahead, because I don't care. If you want to copy my exact philosophy, I don't care because I'll be fine. Like <laughs> when I'm out, when I'm out of the game, I don't care. Like I'll be retired doing something else or just doing like, I'm not going to sit here and be mad because someone's trying to take a drill or take something that I said and do it or 
taking what I'm doing and saying that they can do it better, go ahead. Like, I don't care. It's just basketball. Like, don't tie that, like tie that to your entire identity and be mad because someone's doing something better than you. Like, yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. You know, the it's funny weird. thing is like, in, in strength conditioning, kind of like where a lot of my background is, that's a huge, like huge problem. Like mm-hmm. people think that they invented exercises or invented yeah. concepts. And it's like, uh, you you expect a shout out every time somebody yeah. does something that you they might not even know who you are like yeah they they might have saw somebody else who stole it then they stole it from them it's like who invented the squat like I'm not yeah. tagging him on every post exactly. thing. like it's it just doesn't make sense to me the territorial attitudes in the industry yeah it's crazy because then it's like they'll do the same thing well they'll they'll be like oh that's a really good idea from somebody else and they'll use it. But then when somebody else does the same to them, they get mad. And it's like, dude, like we're all just trying to get better. We're all just trying to, you know, oh, we see someone do something cool. We're trying to take it. Like, obviously, there's people who go across the line. But at the end of the day, like, yeah. we're all trying to get better. Who cares? If someone's using something that, that you you did or you created, quote unquote, like you did your job. Like, cool. Exactly. Yeah, that's ultimately what so. we're trying to do is like help athletes. And and like you said, you're trying to get more into the space where you're you're helping other athletes, you know, across the world or, mm-hmm. you know, on a on a basis where they wouldn't be able to get to you in any way. So mm-hmm. even if that is through a drill that somebody's implementing that they took from you, yeah. So be it. Like yeah. athletes are getting better and and that's at the end of the day what we're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. So back into training, kind of want to get into like the the Xs and Os. I like your myth, like your shooting myth posts i like just like your critical thinking posts i call them Mm -hmm. where it's like let's take a concept that is supposed to be so solid that has no flaws in it and let's just critically think for a second like does this make sense ask yourself the question is this flawless and so you got like shooting myths um i think like a big one that i like that that i totally agree with is you know, never cross your feet on defense, things like that, that we were told as players mm-hmm. or even in our career as coaches that we at first accepted like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's how it goes. But then you start to develop a sense of critical thinking and questioning concepts and innovation and you start to figure out like some of this stuff doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your, you know, it doesn't have to be like top three or top five, just whatever jumps out first, like, your biggest critical thinking concepts that are probably, you know, staples in people's program mm-hmm. that don't make sense. I mean, I'd say the overarching theme, at least for my critical thinking, is always like people try to see everything on like a binary scale where it's like yes or no. And mm-hmm. I try to always, okay, everything's on a spectrum. So one of my favorite ones is just like when coaches are, oh, it's just reps, just get reps. That's how you're going to fix your shot. That's how you're going to get better. It's like clearly that does not work because there's millions of players <laughs> yeah. who sit there and get reps all day and they still suck. So like kind of my thing is like reps, all reps are not created equal. Mm-hmm. So it's like someone could get a thousand reps of this thing and I can do 150 of this and they're going to be better getting 150 quality reps. So that's kind of just one kind of way, like you said, the cross the feet thing. There's there's so many shooting myths that you see, like even if you look at what Steph Curry says or Clay says or popular players, people listen to that at face value and think what he's saying is true and gospel. When in reality, a lot of times the best players don't even know what they do that makes them so good because it's so subconscious. It's like you don't yep. become that high level of a player by being extremely analytical in your thinking and know everything that you do. Most of it's subconscious. So when they try to teach, they a lot of times don't even know what they do. Like you you'll, you can literally look up Clay Thompson shooting tips half of what he says, he's going to break. Like, (laughs) Steph, same thing. Like, you can listen to what he says. Half the time, he's just saying what he thinks he does or what other coaches have told him, but he doesn't even do it himself. So a lot of times, you can look at, like, players. You could probably even look at Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Like, they're going to say shit, and they don't even do it themselves. But people take it because that's who the person is, and they're going to say, oh, because he said it, it must be true. So it's really just, like, question everything. That's just, like, my whole philosophy with most things question everything just because you hear it does not mean it's true even if you hear me say something go look it up for yourself don't believe me right Uh, go look for yourself find the answers for yourself so 
Hundred percent. Now I had a I had a post the other week about Michael Jordan. He has a he has a DVD, a defensive DVD on YouTube, and he's he's literally like telling you, you know, when he's attacking you this way, you're gonna open up and pivot. And then I went and looked at all Michael Jordan clips. He doesn't pivot. He does like a plyo yeah. step or a repositioning step yeah. and kind of like forcefully push that left foot into the ground to project himself right. And so I just did a little montage of horrible advice from michael jordan and then showed what he does in a game and people were commenting like no he uh i can't remember what they said it was like i think he was just acting for the camera like they were still defending and i'm like this is game film of him not doing the thing that he's saying to do it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy the other thing um i want to get your thoughts on this this is kind of random but Somebody the other day, it was a basketball page, and he was like, you know, they're doing like the maturing in basketball means dot, 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 and then you give your thing, right? So his thing was maturing in basketball means uh, realizing hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I firmly believe that is bullshit. Like, firmly, I'm a classic case of that not working out. Like, I... I was winning every year award after award for like hard work, mental attitude. Like I was the hustle guy, but talent that didn't work hard still beat me because like you got to win games, you got to get buckets, right? So what are your thoughts on that old myth? Yeah, I mean, I think like you said, it's just total bullshit. Like especially basketball, (laughs) like I was the same way. I was the hardest worker on any team I ever played on. But at the end of the day, I'm five foot fucking seven. Like. (laughs) No matter how hard I work, there's yep. other factors that are at play that I cannot c- control. Like there is so much luck involved that I think a lot of people don't want to face that fact. It's like there's a good book by Malcolm Gladwell, like Outliers. Basketball, the average NBA player's wingspan is like seven inches longer than their height. The average human being, their wingspan is equal to their height. So like if I'm 5'7", I should have a wingspan of 5'7". Average NBA player, they might be 6'3" but their wingspan is six foot nine. So it's yeah. like, that's already one factor that if you don't have that, you are behind. And then it's like, okay, the average NBA player is also six foot five or six foot six. So if you are five foot seven, the chances are extremely against you. So it's yep. like, no matter how hard you work, it does not matter. And then obviously on the flip side, you have people who are just naturally talented. They're born with certain gifts. They grew up in certain areas. So they're kind of favored to one thing. Like it's just, there's just so much luck involved where you grow up what country you're born in, the Mm -hmm. things that you get access to, like being born at the right time, like Bill Gates to have access to the internet at the perfect time and the perfect age is kind of not what led him to do what he did, but it's absolutely a factor. Yeah. It's like, I think just so many people don't want to face the fact that there's a lot of luck involved, but everyone has unique advantages. So it's like lean into your unique advantage. My unique advantage was not being an NBA player, but the hard work that I built, all of the hours spent, trying to develop and build my craft as a basketball player taught me a lot of lessons that gave me a unique advantage to be a great trainer. So, okay, boom, lean into that. So yeah. to your point, long, long-winded answer, hard work beats talent, a little bit bullshit. Yes, there's some truth to it, but again, it's not binary. It's not, oh, that's true or that's not true. There's some truth to it, but there's also some bullshit to it as well. Right, for sure. And the other thing I was going to say is, you know, a lot of people don't realize what you have to have real expectations for yourself. So I don't know about you, but me growing up, basketball was everything to me, but I never wanted to be an NBA player because I was realistic. Like I'm six feet tall. I'm not that fast. Like I got to warm up for two hours to get a squeaker dunk in. Like it's, it's just not in the cards for me. I can see that. I grew up watching Kobe. Like I can't mm-hmm. be like that. So my question to you is, do you, do you see a lot of kids or, you know, talk to kids or even adults that just love the game and just want to be a basketball player for life recreationally? Or is it always about chasing that scholarship or chasing that contract? Because I think there's value like I said, I still play basketball a couple times a week, like with mm-hmm. other guys, you know, high level guys, like former pros or former college guys, like because we all love the game, but we, you know, the ball is not working for us no more. You know yeah. what I mean? So, 
what kind of relationship do you see with basketball um, from from not just kids you work with, but just in the community? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's definitely some people that I train that don't play competitively or in college that are older, kind of like yourself, and I train them. Um, so for them, it's just like that's their hobby, that's what they're passionate yeah. about, and, and that's great. And then there's also players who I train who, kind of like you and me, we knew we weren't going to the league, but it's like basketball is a game and it's also a tool. So it's like if you're good at basketball, let's utilize that tool to get you a scholarship to get you free education. So that can help set you up for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So we, you have that factor as well. And then you have just, like you said, like older play, people, parents who just love the game. They just want to get their kid involved. And it's also just a great tool to build work ethic, to build resiliency, to deal with the ups and downs of playing basketball, which is very similar to life. So there's so much value in it, no matter what age you are. And then also like my entire half my business, which is people who rent the court, is people who are 25, 30, 35, who just want to play with their buddies. That's that's kind of their social hours where they get to come hang out with their friends, play basketball, have fun, enjoy themselves, get away from the rest of the world. So there's so many different ways that you can use basketball and you can have basketball help you. Like you said, you just got to be self-aware enough to know where you're at in that stage, how you can utilize basketball and how, like how you can give back to the game if that's in it for you. Yeah, no, I have a great deal of respect for people that just, you know, love the game for what it is and they they apply it to their life however they feel necessary. Like mm-hmm. there's so many people that get lost chasing a dream and lose sight of like why they started to play the game in the first place, which is yeah. because all the life lessons, because it teaches you how to be a leader, a teammate, how to work hard how to win, how to lose, like all those different Mm -hmm. things are intangibles for your life, like outside of sports. But if you get lost or caught up chasing a D1 scholarship or chasing just like any type of outlandish dream that doesn't work out for you, then your identity is wrapped up in that exact scenario. And then I've actually seen that have a negative effect where it's like people's whole identity is the sport they play, even if it's not basketball. So when that's taken away from them, who are you? Like, what do you, what do you do? What are your, what are your hobbies? Like, what do you have to give to the people around you? Um, So I just think it's a fine line. Like, like you said, there's so much you can take away from the game, but if you abuse it or like kind of misuse how, how your role is in the game, like I've seen it go the other way. Yeah. hundred percent. Like there's a couple of people that I train or did train where like they were hundred percent locked in on, I got to go play pro or I got to get a scholarship and they just weren't that player. And I try to have conversations mm-hmm. be like, Hey, like what, about, what are you going to do after basketball? And like, they have no idea. And like, that's a question I asked to a lot of like my high schoolers too, because I know they're great high school players, but I know they might play in college. They might not, but okay. What after that? Because like you said, so many people are tied and their identity is tied to basketball. They are mm-hmm. basketball. So if there is no basketball, then who are you? So it's mm-hmm. like you need to have an identi- identity that's not basketball. That's why I think, like I was saying earlier, is like it's people, t- trainers take basketball way too seriously. Like trainer, being a trainer, that is your whole entire identity. So if people go at your philosophy, that's when you get destroyed because like you're going at someone's entire identity and their belief system. Um, so again, like you said, it's just it's just all about being self-aware, being able to utilize the game and then also knowing to give it up. Like everyone's got to give it up at some point. Some mm-hmm. people that might be when you're 70 or 80, but some people that might be giving up competitively at 22 when you're still trying to trace a dream of being a D1 scholarship when you're just not that guy. Like yep. it's just the fact, and people just got to be self-aware enough, no one to essentially call it quits. Not that you're giving up, you're just being realistic with yourself. So that way you can live the rest of your life and not keep chasing down a dream that's just not meant for you. Because right. it's not meant for you, something else is meant for you. 100%. And there's no shame in giving everything to something and still falling short. You know what I mean? I've done that so many times in in different avenues, basketball, business, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. even sometimes in a relationship, you're like, hey, it just didn't work out. There's something else out there for me. Yep, exactly. Um, Transitioning into the industry. All right, so you kind of mentioned coaches, identities, um, all that kind of being messy. What are some of the things right now I like to be positive. So I was going to ask you, what are the things you don't like in the industry? But I'm going to flip it and say, what are the things that you're loving right now about the training industry and kind of what you're seeing? I would say 
just the value of social media is just like there's so many ways that you can learn not only just as like a player as a trainer but just like as a human in general like no other time in history have you been able to access almost anybody in the world's knowledge at the tip of your fingertips it's crazy So it's like literally whether it's business like you can go and listen to people who run multi-billion dollar companies and you can literally just open your phone find a youtube video or podcast and listen to them if you're a player you can get access to literally the best training in the world virtually whether it's through me whether it's through pgf whether it's through drew like you can get access to the best in the world in almost any industry at the tip of your fingertips and then also you just see what other people are doing you're able to be inspired by other people and get a lot of ideas of what's what you could possibly do down the road so there's obviously the flip side to that, where it's the negative of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to get into that if you don't want to. But <laughs> no, I mean that that's just the the power of social media is it's so powerful. If if people can use it right, a lot of players, you know, they follow the wrong people, they look at the wrong stuff, and they get influenced by the wrong stuff. But if you can use it effectively, it can be one of the most powerful tools in your life. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of technology, I meant to ask you this earlier. In training, um, what type of technology are you using, if any? Like, how are you utilizing this new world that we live in that's so connected to help get your athletes better? Um, I really don't use too much other than for, like, the virtual training. There's a couple, Mm -hmm. like, uh, there's, like, these glasses. I think Steph Curry uses them that, like, opens and closes so Mm -hmm. it can, like, adjust your vision. It's very helpful for, like, learning to pick up on perceptual cues and things like that, reads, going to the rim, decision-making. I don't have them yet. I want to get them because I've, I've looked into like some of the research and benefits to them. So that's one tool that I think could be very beneficial. But again, like if I ever post one of my players using that, I would get absolutely killed on social media. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's so dumb. But again, like none of, I've actually looked at the research. I actually know the benefits to them. First, other people are just like, it looks dumb. Uh, so that, that's really like the only one tool that I would say technology wise. I think there's going to be a lot of powerful stuff with AI coming up in terms of training and and just the world in general. But I mean, I don't really use too much right now. Yeah, no, those glasses are dope. I've seen people use them and I, they're, uh, it's not a gimmick. It's legit brain science. Like (laughs) I'd love to see the comments of those posts though. Yeah, I might, I might just buy them and get them just to start some (laughs) shit on social media. (laughs) No doubt, man. Um, Another technology, I, I guess it's kind of technology in its own way, but I've heard you talk a lot about film study and mm-hmm. just generally watching film. I'm huge on that. Like I think a big, not issue, but I think something that athletes can do no matter what stage of the game they're in is just watch the game, like watch film yeah. and actually watch it not for the entertainment, but watch it for the game schemes, IQ, um, kind of the tactical side. So mm-hmm. What are kind of your thoughts on watching film, uh, prescribing that, and some of your concepts on when you do watch film? Yeah, I'm, I think watching film can be easily one of the best things that players can do. I think I actually got better as a player at the beginning of my training career because I was watching so much film. So when you're mm-hmm. watching something, especially like basketball, it's activating something called like a mirror neuron. So it's almost like essentially like you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's obviously a lot of other factors that are in play, but when you're watching this film, you're building a large bank of your general knowledge. So when you go onto the court and you're in these situations, if you make a mistake, you know why you made a mistake. So a lot of players don't have that knowledge where it's like, okay, I've seen this situation so many times in a game. This is the decision that I should have made. So when they go and do it again, they know what they should do. So it's like, I think there's a misconception, at least with film, where it's like, if you're a player and you watch film, that's going to improve your decision making. But it doesn't because in a game, you don't have time to think. You can't be like, oh, I've watched this play so many times in a game. I'm going to make this game is already fucking gone, flown by you, right? Yep. Turnover going the other way. But it can help because it builds that general knowledge, which then you can tie into when you're working out, when you're in these situations, when you mess up, you can learn from them because you know what you should have done. So it's not like an immediate crossover. Where it's like watch film improve your decision making but it's absolutely a tool that can really help you and then obviously you just build more game awareness uh, awareness like situational like late game situation this is what i should do going for two for ones if a team's in a foul just a situation like this this is how i can utilize it so you build a lot of like that strategic knowledge that technical knowledge and then obviously it's a tool that can help build your decision making so any player is should absolutely be watching it like you said to learn not necessarily just for like that entertainment 
Yeah, hundred percent. And and that's like sometimes you'll hear guys say, you know, like I've never done that before. Like they'll do something in the game mm-hmm. and they'll be they'll get asked about it. Like what was going through your mind, or how did mm-hmm. you do that? And they're like, I've never done that before, or like I don't know. I just reacted, and that's kind of what yeah. you describe. Is like you've built that database in your brain of all the different variables that can happen because maybe you saw somebody do it 10 years ago watching film. And then when that exact scenario came out, it just subconsciously clicked and you did something similar. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it can help build that, like that creativity too. Cause like if, if you've never done something, but you see someone do it a lot, you kind of start to pick up on how you do it or when you do mm-hmm. it. So you like, like you said, like you kind of just try it in the moment. You're like, Oh shit. Like, I've never done that before, but yep. if you've never seen it visually because you don't watch film, it's going to be tough for you to just pull that out of your bag out of nowhere. So it, it's it's so beneficial that, and like you said, we were saying earlier is like, it's so easy to access film nowadays. There's yeah. so easy to just watch like trainers, like who are maybe 35, 40, like if they wanted to watch film, they literally had to get a, what a d- fucking DVD or something, rewind <laughs> it like on a TV. Like that's such a process. Like kids don't even realize how easy it is. And like, I sound like an old head. I'm still fucking damn near the same age as them, but like, <laughs> it's so easy to watch film and like, they don't understand like how much more difficult it was like even 10 years ago to just watch film. No, literally bro. Like when I was in high school, we, you know, I played for a great coach and we watched film, but we would have to drive to the other school and do a film swap of a VHS. Like we would have to give them two two VHS tapes and they would give us two and we'd swap and then we swap back after the game. And it's like towards the end of high school, DVDs came on the scene. And then like now they got huddle and like synergy. Yeah. And it's like, bro, you can you can on synergy, you can break it down like this guy drove right and made a layup like 28 yeah. times this season and just see every single time. It's crazy. And immediately after the game, you can go home. Boom, it's already on huddle. You can already watch it. It's crazy. It's nuts, bro. It's nuts. I love it, though. I love it. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah. So, um, I know your your time is valuable. So, I want to get you into the hot seat, man. I want to okay, ask like seven to ten random-ass questions. Just get some back and forth going. Kind of, you know, see what's on your mind. So, let me pull these up real quick. And then we'll get going. Sorry, I should have had these prepared. This is my favorite part of every episode. All right, here we go. It always sucks because I have to delete them when I send you the PDF, and then I got to add them back so you don't know what's coming. All right, so these are rapid fire. You can do whatever, you know, you can go in or just give a one-word answer, whatever you feel good with. First one is, what is your most embarrassing basketball story? Oh, shit. Um, That's a tough one. I don't even know. I've never even been asked that question. Uh, Basketball (laughs) story. I don't know. Maybe come back to that one. I have no, I've literally I got no you. Idea. I'll circle back. Oh I'll man. I got you back. shook already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's one unhealthy habit that you have that you do regularly that, you know, maybe not be the, the safest thing. Unhealthy habit. That's a tough one too. Like I, I try to pride myself <laughs> on great habits. Um, yeah, I don't know. Circle back to that one. I got you. We're just gonna circle back. All right. What's your biggest foot in mouth moment that you can recall recently? What does that mean? So like, it means you basically said something that the person you're saying it to you didn't think would be affected by. But they actually are. So, like, for an example, here here's one recently that happened to me. That's why I put it on here. Mm-hmm. So, I'm talking to a guy, like a colleague of mine, and he introduced me to his wife. And I was like, oh, I think I've met you already. And she was like, no, I don't think I have. So, in my mind, I thought that I met her, mm-hmm. but what actually happened was his mom came up to the gym and I met his mom. And so I just got that memory messed up in my head. And so out loud I said, Oh, never mind. I met his mom. 
And so she's like thinking like, holy yep. shit, do I look like his mom? And so kind of just like an embarrassing, like blurt, like why did I say that out loud scenario? Yeah. Oh my God. There's one that I'm, I'm thinking of. I just can't remember exactly the situation. <laughs> I definitely, uh, that's a tough one. I definitely do that from time to time. More so just like, I feel like more so just say stuff where it's like, it's just, uh, I'm 0 for 3 right now. This is fucking terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. Go the oh, you one. got this one for sure. I know you, I know you yeah, got this I got, one. Yeah, I got to get the next one. This is, this is bad. This is actually easy, but not easy. Start right. one, bench one, cut one. MJ, LeBron, Kobe. I'm benching LeBron. I'm starting. I know I'm cutting LeBron. I'm starting Jordan, and then I'm gonna bench Kobe. Love it. All right, we got one on the board. We we good yeah, now. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, I uh, I made an assumption that you probably like rap, so I said, mm-hmm. uh, "What's your Mount Rushmore of rappers?" Like personal favorites, or just yeah. like what? Like all right, my personal favorites would be. Definitely Drake. Drake's got to be up there. Yep. Uh, my sleeper pick, which a lot of people shit on, is Russ. A lot of people shit on him. I like Russ. I, yeah, I say J. Cole and then probably Lil Baby, just because Lil Baby hype. Yeah, so for great, sure. Great workout gym music. For sure. Uh, what's your favorite pair of shoes you have? <sighs> That's a tough one because I'm not a shoe person at all, but the basketball shoes I'm wearing right now are Pumas. I like those ones. I'd say my favorites and maybe Curry's. Yeah. I like yeah. the Curry's a lot. I like the Pumas a lot too. I've been playing in those. Yeah, they're nice. Um, if you could have any endorsement deal, what would it be? I'd say there's a place down the uh, close to where I live. It's called Press Cafe. That's where I'd pick because I eat there literally every single day. If you're <laughs> thinking like – uh, more popular one, I'd say probably, probably like Puma or like a clothes one, just because yeah. like, I don't really buy clothes much, so, but it would be cool to just have a shit ton of clothes and shoes to wear. So For sure. All right, this is a classic one right here. All right, walk us through senior year of high school, yep. first day of school, like describe the fit. I don't even know because, like, again, like, I don't care about shoes, but I just remember the day before my senior year, I got, like, my first tattoo, so I was, like, hype about that. <laughs> but because, like, like, I really – like, I just wear, like, a black tee or, like, my yep. own TGL train. Like, I really am not a, a clothes person, so I couldn't even – I probably looked – the fit was probably terrible, to be honest. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. So, we're going we're to circle back. We got we to okay. try. We got to at least take a stab at a couple of these. Yeah. I know you have an embarrassing basketball story. Oh, I mean, I, this one's not that bad. But the other day, like, I tried to uh, – I had, like, a group of, like, 10 guys. And I tried to make, like – I do this pass where, like, I put it behind my back and, like, bounce it off my foot. So I was like, oh, word, like, I'm going to alley-oop this guy. I'm going to bounce it, like, off my foot and try to throw it up. So yep. like, I run to the rim, got kids behind me about to dunk it. I throw it, and then I just trip over it off my feet and just land straight <laughs> on my face. So I'd say that's – with, like, a group of 10, I was like, yo, this is about to be so tough. I was like, yeah. boom, and just hit the ground. So I guess that's, that's probably one of them. You had the cameraman ready and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, all right, we'll try this one again. It doesn't even have to be unhealthy. We'll just say like a bad habit, like something that's just like an annoying habit that you're trying to break. I mean, one is I'd say like looking at my phone first thing in the morning. I don't like to do that, but I'd say I do that, which I, the best, my most productive times are when like I don't look basically at my phone until like noon. Oh yeah. Like that's one thing that I try to like try to do, but like you get caught going on your phone first thing in the morning. Dude, I know. It's like, it's getting bad. I kind of want to unplug for like a month and Mm -hmm. just see what happens. Yeah, facts. All right, last one right here. Um, This isn't necessarily a hot hot seat question, but Mm -hmm. tell the listeners where they can find you, um, social media, website, any exciting stuff you have coming up. Just plug that and I'll get it in the show notes for sure. Um, You can find me at Instagram, TGL Training, tgltraining.com. 
TikTok T, uh, TJL training. Uh, my Twitter got hacked like a year ago, so you don't find me there. <laughs> um, YouTube, Tyler LeClaire. I uh, know YouTube's actually TJL training too. So yeah, you look up TJL training, you'll find me. Uh, big things to look forward to is just a lot of content. So follow any of the social medias. You'll see a lot of good stuff and then dropping some courses in the summer that I'm excited about. So yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was a blast talking to you. Absolutely. And uh, definitely excited to get this out there. And that was episode seven with Tyler LeClaire. Amazing basketball mind there. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you could be so kind, please share this with a friend. Like it, rate it, review it. Whatever you got to do, help us grow the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback. And it helps us deliver the best content and the best experience to you guys. So thank you for joining us. Appreciate your support, and we'll see y'all next week.